Amen. Those beautiful photos up there of last week, the Easter egg hunt, it looked like the feeding of the 5,000 to me. I thought we'd just walk straight into the New Testament, into the Bible. It was, it was amazing. It was like it was coming alive as Reuben was up here. Awesome. Praise God. I'm excited about the potential in our community for God. I'm excited about the potential in your life for God. Praise God. I'm excited about the love of my Father for me and how precious I am in His sight. He has redeemed me. He's brought me back to Himself. Before we start in the Word today, I just want to, um, in the message, I want to just thank everyone for your love this past week. As you know, like uh, last Saturday night, we got news that uh, our mum had died over in the UK, Ruth's mother particularly. Uh, she hadn't died, she'd passed on to be with the Lord. Jesus said, he that believes in me shall never die. Our body, our outward shell, dies. It becomes weary, it grows tired, but we cross over to be with the Lord for all eternity. Hallelujah. She's happy. She's dancing with us this morning. Praise God. So I want to thank you for the meals that you've been bringing around as well. The church family has been gathering around and encouraging us and bringing flowers and just sharing love upon us. And that is very precious. And I want to give you thanks for that. And today we're going on a journey. I know in eight weeks um, we're um, heading over to the UK. We'd already booked the flights. Uh, but today we're going on a journey. We're heading down to Auckland. And tomorrow morning we're going across to Fiji. I've got to take Ruth away. She's been busy. We're going to have a little time to come aside and rest a while. Jesus often did that with his disciples, praise God. And so uh, I want to see Ruth revitalized, rested, and coming back, firing for God. She always is, of course. The spirit is willing, but the flesh sometimes is weak. We all know about that, eh? Well, today God wants us to go on a journey with him. And uh, I love the theme that we have this month, the cross and beyond. Maybe you're here today and you don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you're struggling with life and wondering what it's all about. Uphill and down the valleys, roller coaster ride of life. Maybe you've just become weary with the journey. Maybe you've become uh, discouraged with Christianity because it seems that people around you and uh, maybe your neighbors and friends seem to be getting on so much better in the world. Maybe you've become weary. But I want to be here to encourage you to journey with Jesus today. Maybe there's questions that you ask. Does God really care? Why does, it, why does he seem so far away if he loves me? How come he doesn't speak to me individually? Well, I know he does. But we've got to listen. We've got to hear his voice. God is a spirit. Those that worship him worship in spirit and in truth. But sometimes in life we're so connected with this physical world we live in, and we're so used to using our five natural senses that we miss it. Our spiritual ears, our tarringers are not always open to hearing the voice of God. But I want to encourage you this morning, it's time for us to journey with Jesus. Praise God. Maybe you've never really followed Jesus, you know. Maybe you just expect him to be with you. Could be. There is a difference, you know. Jesus wants you to journey with him. He wants to be the center, not you necessarily. Just a thought. I was reading again the last verse in Malachi, the last verse of the Old Testament. And it says there, we'll have it up on the overhead there, and uh, it says, and he will turn the hearts, uh, that's chapter 4, verse 6, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts 
of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. It almost seems that at the end of the Old Testament, under law, there was this curse on families. And there was this like separation between fathers and the children. And doesn't it seem like that today? Marriage breakdown. People without dads. But what God's all about is showing the father heart to the children. And then you come into the next four books of the Bible and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, you, and the, four, the four Gospels and you, you see the Father, our God in heaven, sending His Son to be the Savior of the world. That's what Jesus said. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And we see a declaration of the love of God to us. Praise His name. God wants to turn our hearts, the hearts of the fathers, to the children. And then they'll be turned back to the fathers. That's the day we live in today. I want to tell you that the, of a father's heart that is turned towards you today, a father's heart that cares for you today. When we, we've been remembering the cross and Ian brought communion so, so well this morning, and, and we just see at the cross when we stand there, we see the love of Almighty God to us. We're left in no doubt if we stand there for a while just as how much God really does love us. He spared not his own well-beloved son, but he gave him up, delivered him up for us all. And he's with him, freely given us all things, the Bible says. I want to tell you, the heart of our Father beats for us today. It's time for us to journey with Jesus. See, in, in John 19, verse 17 and 18, it talks about Jesus bearing his cross. It's interesting because it was really our cross, wasn't it, that he took up there. It was in our place he died. It was in our place he suffered. He came to be the sacrifice for us. It was for our sin that he was punished there, for our selfishness. And it says he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of a skull. That's no coincidence that that place was called the place of a skull. So often we live our lives from our skull, from our head. And uh, it says, which in the Hebrew is called Golgotha. Verse 18, when, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on the right side and Jesus in the center. They crucified the Lord of glory. They said away with him, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. And that's exactly what this thing will tell you. I want to be in control of my own life. But today it's time for us to journey with Jesus. It's important that we're impacted, that our hearts are impacted by the love of God this morning. As we see that Jesus took our place. He was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah said. He was bruised for our iniquity or our sin or selfishness. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was bit, beaten and whipped. By his stripes we're healed. There's healing in the body of Christ this morning. Praise God, all of the resources of heaven flow through the cross to us. The pathway to heaven begins at the foot of the cross. The pathway to blessing begins at the foot of the cross this morning. It's good that we come to the cross and see our blessed Savior and behold Him there. Praise His name. But the theme this month is the cross and beyond. It might start at the cross. We might see at the cross the love of God displayed for the, for the whole world. And that's wonderful. And the love of God displayed for us personally. We might see our Savior dying in our place, and that's wonderful. 
We love him because he first loved us. Jesus said himself, greater has love has no one than this, than that a man should lay down his life for his friends. And yet we were enemies of the cross. We were far away from God. Like Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That was us. That was me. And yet he laid down his life at just the right time for me. Praise his name. It pulls on our heartstrings when we see this perfect, almighty, infinite love of our heavenly Father. That the creator of the world would lay down his life there at the cross for us. That he would come and redeem us to himself and give us all for us. See, the cross is a symbol of the curse. It's often called the tree. You know, it's interesting because it says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And there's the tree of knowledge that grows up. When you think of a little, a little child, they're born and then they start growing up, they don't know a whole lot. But God knows a whole lot. When you look out at, at all the creation and everything he's designed and made, he knows a whole lot. When a child is five years old and they go to school, they take quite some time to even learn 26 letters of the alphabet in a row. And then we add to that and add to it. And as we get older, we now have access where knowledge, that tree of knowledge is growing up and it's increased more and more. And there's just so much knowledge in the world today. You can, instead of going to the Bible, you can go to Google. And you can just ask any question you want and you can get all this knowledge. And it's like a tree, but it becomes a curse. And Jesus hung on the tree. Because we're using this, this thing too much. I'm not saying you don't use your head, your brains that God has created. But it's not the center of, and the source of life. Jesus is the center. And he was wounded for us. He, lay, he, was, he was nailed to the cross for us. He was cursed there on the tree in our place. It's time for us to journey with Jesus. There's four things I want to speak about today. The first one is the cross. The second one is the grave. The third one is the resurrection. And the, third one, and the fourth one is rest. Rest. And as we journey with Jesus, we come to a place of peace. We come to a place of rest, of security, of safety, of blessing. You see, sin was dealt with, the first one, number one, at the cross. Sin and selfishness was dealt with at the cross. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That means past, present, future, that's every sin. All the sin of the whole world was laid upon Him, and then God raised Him up from the dead. That was because the work was finished. That was because every sin was paid for. Otherwise, he'd still be in the grave today because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And our blessed Savior had all our sin laid upon him, but he said at the cross before he bowed his head and died, he said it is finished. He exhausted the righteous judgment of a holy God against sin and selfishness. And he said it is finished. And his blood was shed for us. Praise his name. I see a connection with the cross it's like with the Passover in Egypt, when the children of Israel were under bondage. And just, there's, there's, there's a spiritual connection there. They were slaves in Egypt for, they were in Egypt for 400 years, slaves in Egypt, 
whipped with the harsh taskmasters in Egypt. Then God brought his people out of Egypt and across the Red Sea and into the wilderness because he was taking them on a journey to the promised land. And so the cross is really a picture of the Passover, of the Red Sea, of salvation, of baptism. I see it all connected and linked. See, the, the children of Israel were, were in Egypt, and they were working hard. But when God brought them out, they stopped working. He gave them the manna every day. He fed them. He blessed them in the wilderness 40 long years. About 2 million people miraculously fed with a trainload of food every day and provided for, and they stopped working. Sometimes God wants us to see ourselves like the man beside Jesus, hands nailed to the tree, feet nailed there so we could just stop. He wants us to stop doing those things that we were, we're doing that were wrong, going astray, our feet going astray, our hands slaving, working away. Jesus' blessed hands, the hands and the feet that always walked a straight path and did great things and blessed people, they were nailed there for us. When I think about the cross, I think about um, what we read in uh, John chapter 20, verse 25 and 27. It says there, and uh, it says, The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. This is at the resurrection. And this is Thomas. This is doubting Thomas. I don't know if you know about that disciple Thomas who doubted. He doubted that Jesus had been risen from the dead. He wasn't there when the woman in that came to the sepulcher and Jesus rose again. On the Sunday. And the other disciples said, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless, this is Thomas speaking to the disciples, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Do you know some of us are like that when we live from here? We want to see evidence. We want Jesus to appear in front of us, or at least an angel, just to miraculously. Uh, appear in front of us so that we have something to believe in. We want to see it visible in the natural. But faith links us with another world, and, and believing is seeing in God's kingdom. And then, of course, a week later, Jesus appears and he says to Thomas, he says, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. Do not be faithless, but believing. It's time for us to journey with Jesus. Thomas, one of the disciples, he struggled with that. Maybe there's people here today that you're struggling to have faith. It doesn't seem to jowl with your nat five natural senses or it, with your natural reason. But faith is really forsaking all I trust him. It links us to another world. And that's why God wants us to reach out, to let go, and to trust in him. So we have the cross where sin was dealt with. Then we have the grave. All Thomas's, all Thomas's, uh, the disciple Thomas's sins had been paid for at the cross, but he didn't, he didn't believe that Jesus had been risen from the dead. You know, self is dealt with at the graves. If sin is dealt with at the cross, as we come along and see the tomb, we see that self is buried in the grave. God wants to not only deal with the sins we've committed, but with the man that has sinned, and he's judged self. He's judged living from our own understanding 
that has been judged with, uh, dealt with, with the grave. As we journey with Jesus, see, it's like if we're just living from south. I went down to the uh, stone store this morning about 6 o'clock, and it was great. It was just lovely. Got a coffee at the BP. I had to wait for it to open at 6. Got a coffee, went down the stone store. And as I was just sitting down there meditating with the Lord, talking with the Lord, there's a man came rowing around the corner. And it's quite funny because when you're rowing a rowboat, you're actually looking backwards and it's pointing forward. And as if our own hands weren't long enough, we put these oars on the end of it and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm saying it's all right. But then we work hard and we row and he was doing quite fine. He had the rhythm and he was fine. He got that boat moving along. But he was looking at where he's been and that's so often it's like, Maybe some people here today, you're just looking where you've been and you can't see much into the future. And, and, and you're just using your own effort to get where you want to go. That's self. But Jesus wants to journey us to journey past that. Imagine if you put a motor on the back of the boat. Man, you want to see the power when we hop on the jet ski. If you hop on a, a, a boat and you've got a 150 horsepower motor on the back, man, that gets things, gets things going a lot much faster than using the oars, you know, using your own strength. I want to tell you, when you enter in the kingdom of God by faith, life is changed, it's transformed, it's so much easier than just slaving away, leaning to your own understanding. That's why God wanted to deal with this, at the cross and at the grave. And it's time for us to lay self down. We've been crucified with Christ. We've been buried with Christ. And so it says here, there was another couple of followers of Jesus, Cleophas and his wife. And in Luke 24, and I'm thinking of the tomb here, they hadn't come into life, this couple, and, uh, at this stage. And uh, verse 24, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse uh, 9 and 11, and it says, And they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and all the rest, and these, their words seemed like idle tales. That's, that's the woman that came to the sepulchre. And there were these people there, Cleophas and his wife, and they were journeying away from Jerusalem that day. And Jesus came alongside them and met with them. And it says in Luke 24, verse 17 and, and uh, 15 and to 17, it says, So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that's Cleophas and his wife walking down the road about seven or eight miles away from Jerusalem, it says, Jesus himself drew near to them. Now, they didn't believe about the resurrection when the woman came and told them that Jesus had been risen. See, the resurrection is important. The cross is important. The grave is important. But the resurrection is important too. And it says their eyes were restrained when Jesus came along, verse 16, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Are you, are you like Cleophas and his wife here this morning, that you're journeying through life and you're quite morbid and you're miserable and you're sad and life's getting on top of you and you're, and you're struggling with it? Well, that's sometimes what we're like. I know what it is to be like that. I know what it is when the business, things in business are tough or things in family are tough. I know what it's like. But I also know what it's like for Jesus to come alongside and commune with us and talk to us and lift us up, because when Jesus revealed himself to these two, and when they welcomed him into their home, suddenly that same hour they returned to Jerusalem. He turned their life around. And that's what the resurrection will do. It'll turn your life around. 
So these two, they were down, they were morbid. Sometimes religion's like that. People in the community don't, don't want to come into a church because it's sometimes heavy. It's sometimes morbid. But here we're excited. Here we're enjoying life in Christ. Here we're celebrating the life of our King, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Freedom, life, liberty, and power in Christ. But it's time to journey with Jesus. I don't know whether you're at the cross still or whether you're just still at the grave and you're not experiencing the resurrection yet. Or maybe you've come out into the resurrection. That's what I want to speak about. The resurrection, if sin was dealt with at the cross and self was dealt with in the tomb, in the grave, well then number three, in the resurrection we have separation and sanctification. That word sanctification is we're made holy. No longer of the first order of man. No longer in Adam. He's been buried in the grave. We come into resurrection and then all you see is Jesus. I'm speaking spiritually here, not physically. And, and Jesus wants us to journey with him spiritually. This is what the gospel is. This is what the good news is. It's not just Christ. No, the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15, how that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again and he was seen. It puts us in touch with a risen Savior. Praise his name. So it's time for us to journey with Jesus. Where are you at today? Where are you at today? See, the, see the, I guess the grave is like the wilderness. For 40 years, the children of Israel were just in the wilderness, murmuring, complaining. He gave them the law. They had judgment at the bottom of Mount Sinai where the law was given. 3,000 were killed there. They were, they were just murmuring. So often we're like that. But then he brings us through to this place, the resurrection, and uh, where there's just the body of Christ. He is risen. He's the first fruits from the dead. And that's like the Jordan, crossing over the Jordan into the promised land in the Old Testament. Everything that was written before was written for our learning. And there's pictures and types in the Old Testament that can take us in that speak about these things as well. See, in the resurrection, the cross and the grave are behind us, and only Jesus is before us. And he's now our joy. He's now our delight. We have victory in him. We live, like Paul the Apostle said, for me to live is Christ. I wonder if we can say that this morning. For me to live is Christ. And so they're trusting fully in him in the resurrection. You know, Mary, Mary in the resurrection, she she thought it was the gardener first when she met the Lord Jesus. And then, and then when he said Mary, her name, she came and clung to him. And that's what we need to do. We need to cling to the Savior. We need to trust in him at all times. We need to pour out our heart to him. We need to recognize that he is so much more powerful than us. His ability is so much beyond what we can do even on our best days. And so that's why we walk by faith. But in the resurrection, there's a massive change. And I think the disciple that depicts this is Peter. Because Peter, he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And the cock crew, remember the, the rooster crowed? And uh, Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ. But roll the, the cameras forward 50 days. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and talks. And he, he says to the, the people, he said, you denied the Holy One and the just. He was totally transformed. He, Jesus looked on him and he connected with Jesus and in resurrection, he was a different man. And it was Jesus that led the message on the, on the, res, on the um, day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. And so in Luke 24, we see Peter went to the tomb 
Luke 24 and 12, it says, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. He saw and he believed, you see. That's what transformed him. Sometimes we see, but we don't really believe. God wants you to travel on a journey and come through to resurrection ground with Christ. I don't know where. You may be parked up this morning somewhere around the cross. Maybe you're parked up in the tomb. You haven't come out into resurrection in your walk with Jesus. But he's saying, come, follow me, follow me. I want to bring you on further. In Acts, that's where it says, chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, he says, you denied the Holy One and the just. That's Peter when he gets up to preach and asks for a murderer to be granted you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. Peter saw it was a new man on the day of Pentecost. God wants you to live a new life. He wants you to have eternal life right now. Peter was so bold on the day of Pentecost. He was the one who had denied, but now he's saying, you denied the Holy One and the just. He had put things right with the Lord. So we see sin dealt with at the cross, self-doubt within the tomb. We see in resurrection, we see separation or sanctification. We're made holy. The life of Christ is absolutely holy. He lives that life in us. In the spirit, the new creature we are in Christ is completely new. It's not some, we walk by faith in him. It's not some half-measured attempt at being a Christian. Christian. It's totally devoted to the will of God. And the fourth one is rest or silence or peace. And I think of this when the children of Israel came across the Jordan and they entered to, they came to the first city of Jericho. Remember that story about how they encamped around Jericho for seven days? All they did was march around once a day. And then the seventh day, they marched around seven times and then gave a shout. But for those times they marched around, there was silence. There was rest. There was a lot of murmuring in the wilderness. But when they came around Jericho, there was silence. God wants to bring us to come to a place where we are no longer fighting the battle. It must have been so eerie and so weird to the people of Jericho standing on the wall and thinking, what are these people doing? There's about two million of them just walking around, you know. We've seen movies where they fight the battle, or whether it's Narnia or whatever it is, and, and you see this great big force coming against the other side, and, and they're shouting, and, and there's a big roar, but these guys are just quiet. And when they finally did shout, a shout of praise and victory, the walls came down. And that's what we shout here on a Sunday morning. Because we're walking in the Spirit. We're declaring things over Kerry Kerry, over our town, over Northland, over our nation, in the Spirit. And we give a shout. And we're resting in the Lord and trusting in Him. It says in John 20 and 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. And what did He say? He said, Peace be with you. You know, when Jesus comes, like this morning, he says, this is my body, this is my blood. He brings peace. He meets with us. He communes with us in the Spirit. He is here. He said, we two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And he comes as he promises. And he's here. And we connect with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's nothing more wonderful. There's nothing in this world that compares with it. He satisfies our hungry souls. He gives peace in our lives, and we have rest 
And the word says to, for us to rest in the Lord. It tells us to trust in Him. It says there, and um, so the disciple I've linked with this is John. John just seemed to be at this place of peace. He was the one that leaned on Jesus' bosom. And he was close to the Lord. He was the one that stood by the cross. He was the one that Jesus had confidence in and said about his mother, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother. He, he basically gave John, the disciple, the responsibility of looking after his mother. And if you go through John's writings, it's incredible just to see. Even in First John, you can just see he ushers in the new creation, basically, that which is born of God, that which doesn't sin. He's come to find a place of resting totally in the, in the risen Lord and, and, and recognizing that his life is found in Jesus. It is John in John 15 that says, and it should be up there, it's in verse 4, he says, he, he pens the words of, of the Lord Jesus, that the Lord Jesus spoke when Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You know, this skull... This skull, this head, this brain, it can't bear fruit of itself, not spiritually. We believe and trust in the living God. And it's like a branch abiding in the tree. If you cut the branch off, the fruit doesn't happen. It draws the sustenance from the root system and from the stump. And so Jesus is just bringing this description here, and he's saying, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, neither can you unless you abide in me. It's time for us to journey with Jesus, to just come on with him, to go through the different stages of the gospel. You know, sin's dealt with at the cross, self is dealt with in the grave. We're separated, sanctified, made holy in the resurrection because we're a new creation in Christ. And then we come into this place of quiet rest, of peace with Him. We're no longer are we, we're flapping our wings like perhaps a turkey would do and not getting very high off the ground, but we're soaring with eagle wings like it says in Isaiah, is it chapter 40? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as an eagle. You can go, so, eagles soar so much higher than a turkey would off the ground with so much little effort. And that's how God wants us spiritually to be, to be trusting in the Lord with all our hearts, to not be leaning to our own understanding, but in all our ways to be acknowledging Him and He will direct our path. And He's got blessing for us and He wants to move us on. It's time for us to journey with Jesus. See, with Christ, your disqualification becomes your qualification for undeserved, unearned and unmerited blessing in God. He is for us. We've been to the cross and we're left to no doubt that God is for us. Romans 8 says, If God before us, who can be against us? He didn't spare His own Son. He delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him freely give us all things? He wants to give you all things. But will you journey with Jesus this morning? Will you move on with Him into life? Will you trust Him at all times? Whether it's for provision in the natural, whatever it is, just honestly, there's every bit of wise counsel we could ever need for life in the Bible. They often said it was basic instructions before leaving earth. And it's all there, whatever counsel we need. See, many live lives that are legal. They judge others. Many live lives that are limited 
Perhaps you're feeling your limitation this morning. Many live lives that are even lifeless. You've met those people. They have a name to live. They, they call themselves Christians, but they don't seem to have a lot of life. Many live lives that are lonely and they feel that no one cares. I don't know where you're parked up this morning, but it's time to journey with Jesus beyond the cross to a life of purpose. It's time to journey with Jesus beyond the cross to a life of passion, to a life of power, to a life of provision, to a life of peace. We ended in rest. And there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. And praise God, I've been there. Praise God, I can just return there at any time. Praise God, I know what it is to abide in Him to trust in Him, to let go and let God. If you don't know that place, sometimes we can run ourselves ragged in life. Sometimes we can just be depleted. We can be lonely. We, we can feel like giving up. But God wants us to journey with Jesus this morning. Praise His name. I'm just going to finish on that. I'm just going to ask the band to come on up. But if there's someone here today who's never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, maybe you've, you, you just, you've just come to the cross or you're just coming to the cross. It's an important place to come to, to see for yourself that Jesus died there in your place. And that if there was no one else in the world today, that God still would have sent His Son to be your Savior. If no one else had sinned and you were the only one who was self-centered in this world, He still would have sent His Son to be your Savior. Perhaps you only just come there, coming to the cross today. But I want to tell you today, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. You can let go of all your own control on life. You can come to this place, Golgotha, and just behold, I'm talking spiritually here, of course, because this happened 2,000 years ago. The place of the skull, and you can let go and just see that Jesus was crucified in your place. And you can ask him into your heart and into your life today. Is there anyone here like that? I don't know if we've all had a beginning with God. Yes, see your hands. Well, I want you to repeat this after me. You can ask Jesus today. Thank you for putting your hand up. I want to stand with you as you ask Jesus to be your everything today. As you ask Jesus, as you commit your life to Him and you let Him take over your life today, I want to stand with you and believe with you. Because the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Praise God. So let's every head be bowed, every eye clothed, and we're just going to pray together with those who put their hands up. Dear Lord Jesus, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead for me. I turn from myself to you. And I invite you to come into my heart and life. I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. From now on, I want to do life with you. Amen. We just want to celebrate that. If you're asking Jesus into your heart and life today for the very first time, or even if you're turning back to the Lord, He hears your voice. And I want to encourage you. God has great things for you. The cross is the beginning, but it's time for us to journey with Jesus. Let's stand and sing together. Hallelujah.